Welcome to the Kenza Pod. Kenza Collective is a platform dedicated to educating, inspiring, and empowering parents who work for themselves. Check out KenzaCollective.com to learn more about our mission and to find resources to help you on your journey. Together, let's reinvent what it means to be a working parent. My name is Tiffany Jones. I'm the founder and CEO of Kenza. Each week on the podcast, you can join me and our CFO, Beth Gummery, as we help you navigate the tricky business of working for yourself while also raising a family. We're honored to have you here with us. Let's get started. Before we dive in, I wanted to let you know of a very exciting announcement. This is actually the very first public place that um, we've talked about this. And that is that we have officially opened up one-on-one coaching to the collective. We've actually had a lot of requests for this service and Beth and I are really excited to be officially launching this. So what does that mean? Well, Beth and I both have a unique skill set and we want to be able to offer those skill sets to you, whether separately or together. So what's unique about working with Beth and myself is that you can choose to work with one of us or kind of depending on where you're at, it might make sense to maybe spend a few sessions with me and a few with Beth and we can kind of put together a customized coaching package depending on where you currently are in your business. So if you work with me, things that I'm really passionate about helping my coaching clients with are understanding how to juggle your clients while caring for kids at home. Um, That's just my wheelhouse, it's what I do, and so I can speak really directly to that. Um, Writing proposals that don't go over time or budget. Teaching practical tips to manage your time and I think more importantly, your energy. I can train you on project management. Um, I can help to really break down your big goals into practical, actionable, and realistic next steps so that you can stop feeling overwhelmed about where you want to be and start making a plan towards how to get there. Um, And I'm also available to just give feedback and advice on everything from your online presence, um, what your website looks like, your offerings, your messaging there. Um, I'm really passionate about helping people understand how to price themselves. I do not advocate that people price themselves hourly. I really want you to be doing project or value-based pricing, and so I can walk you through how to do that. I'm happy to review your proposals and give you feedback on um, where I see potential issues coming up because maybe there's some gray areas or something's just not, um, I just don't think that something is lining up properly. And even help you move through tricky conversations with clients because I've had a lot of those. So um, that's what you would get, some of the things you would get if you were to work with me. And then if you wanted to work with Beth, what she brings to the table is that she wants to teach you how to be your own CFO. So she really wants to walk you through everything from basic to advanced accounting, kind of depending again where you're starting from. She wants to help you understand how to manage your cash flow properly, build up a cash reserve, um, set up that accounting software that you're paying for but maybe aren't taking full advantage of, and just really make sure that your finances are um, supporting your growth and um, that you're not confused by them. She really wants you to feel empowered when it comes to your financial situation. So if you are interested in any of this, go over to kenzacollective.com coaching and 
and you can actually book a complimentary 30 minute call with myself or Beth or both of us. And we'll just talk with you, kind of see where you're at, see if you might be a good fit and if we might be a good fit for you and we'll go from there. So like I said, complimentary 30 minute call, go over and book it with us and um, let's see how we can help each other. All right, let's get to it. Welcome Beth. If you're like me, you want to make a better world. We all do, right? That's why we're here, to leave the place better than we found it. One of the ways you can do that is to support a cause or help address a social problem or need. You can do this by volunteering if you have the time or by donating to a nonprofit if you have the means to do so. Or maybe if you're really passionate about fixing something or promoting social good, you might want to start a nonprofit. If you are able to do it not for the money, but because you believe in the need for this organization in the community, this could be a good option for you. You may have a job and this is what you want to do in your spare time because you believe in it. Or this may be something you're able to try once your kids are off to school. Or you may know a group of people who are wanting to start a nonprofit and maybe you want to get involved. What is a nonprofit? There are certain needs in our society that are not being met by our government. For example, in some other countries, Cultural institutions are publicly funded, and social services are delivered by the government. But here in the U.S., because of how we do things, we want to prevent government overreach, and because we're into free trade and privatizing, what we have here instead is sort of this nonprofit entrepreneurialism to provide the types of things we believe that we need to have, and the market gets to decide if we get to have it. For example, going to see live opera or ballet, or go to a museum, or a play, or a classical music concert is heavily dependent upon whether those organizations can figure out how to generate enough revenue through their activities and their donor asks to stay in business. Alternatively, things we've decided that we also ought to have, like food banks and homeless shelters, provide programs that are in the best interest of the society and provide a social safety net for those less fortunate. And as we have seen in the last few months, we just never know what can happen. And in between those examples, there are a whole spectrum of arts and educational and charitable organizations addressing different needs within our communities. I am planning to do a full-length course on this through our Kenza Collective platform. So this episode of the podcast is really more about the philosophical considerations and some general thoughts about starting a nonprofit. And to help you decide if this is a direction you may want to go in. Solving a social problem is a very powerful thing. Unfortunately, this might not pay you an awful lot of money. So for starters, what is a nonprofit? One question I get a lot is, does that mean the organization can't make money? No, not at all. In fact, I work with some organizations that are in great financial shape, have reserves, and are conducting rather sophisticated business models. In the US, we usually think of a nonprofit as a 501c3 organization. According to the Internal Revenue Service, or otherwise known as the IRS, right off of their website at irs.gov, organizations organized and operated exclusively for religious, charitable, scientific, testing for public safety, literary, educational, or other specified purposes, and that meet certain other requirements, are tax-exempt 
under Internal Revenue Code Section 501c3. A 501c3 organization is one that the IRS has determined doesn't have to pay taxes because, because it is organized for a specific charitable purpose. In most cases, it can also accept tax-deductible donations. From the IRS website, organizations described in Section 501c3, other than testing for public safety organizations, are eligible to receive tax-deductible contributions in accordance with Code Section 170. Did you ever know our Internal Revenue Service website is so full of good information. Check it out if you haven't. It's irs.gov. Basically, all the rules are right there and it's easy to navigate around. Wonder no longer. Now, as you will also see if you're checking out the IRS website, there are also other types of tax-exempt organizations that you may be interested in. For example, My Rowing Club is a 501c4 or a social welfare organization from the IRS website. Social welfare organizations are civic leagues or organizations not organized for profit, but operated exclusively for the promotion of social welfare and local associations of employees, the membership of which is limited to the employees of a designated person or persons in a particular municipality and the net earnings of which are devoted exclusively to charitable, educational, or recreational purposes. My Rowing Club is a membership organization that promotes rowing in the Monterey Bay. We all pitch in money through dues, and a board made up of about 11 members decides what equipment and programs to provide to members based on input from the members. No one gets paid, but we manage to conduct a nice recreational activity and some good events when we aren't in a pandemic, of course. There are other types of 501Cs that are worth exploring. Again, they are tax exempt, but you can't accept tax deductible donations. At my rowing club, sometimes people throw in an extra few bucks for the boat fund. That's not a tax-deductible donation, but since it relates to a hobby that we like, some people think that is worthwhile. You said it's okay to make money and still be a nonprofit. How does that work? Well, another difference between a 501c3 nonprofit and a for-profit organization in the U.S. is that in a nonprofit, donated money counts as revenue. So. If you are in a for-profit corporation and someone gives you money and not because they are purchasing something from you, that is usually called investment and it resides on your balance sheet in the equity section. Or it can be a loan that resides in the liability section of the balance sheet if you are expected to pay it back. In a nonprofit, those donations are recorded as revenue and there is no expectation of a return. Donors to nonprofits are like investors, but with an altruistic intention. They can't have expectations of payback, although they can sponsor programs that you are already planning to put on. That is what grants are. When you write a grant proposal, you say to a donor, we will run this particular program if you will fund it. In a nonprofit, the organization owns all of its own equity. So, all of the net incomes from each year in history add up year after year and are called the net assets, which is what would be called retained earnings in a for-profit. Depending on what spending commitments you have made, some of your net assets may be restricted by purpose as you receive funds or funding for particular projects. 
We can get into the details of that accounting when we do the full course. I realize some of this might be might be foreign language to some of you. So back to the idea that you might want to create a nonprofit. You have an idea and you have some ideas about implementing it to create good work in your community. Your first step is to survey the landscape locally and regionally. Who else is doing what you want to do? How are they doing it? How are they doing? What you will want to do is assemble a team, an exploratory committee, if you will. Don't have them be relatives or friends that will indulge you. Get a few people together to set this thing up. A legal or financial person, an expert or advocate in the area you are supporting, maybe someone who has been on boards and knows how it works, a person who knows a lot of people in the community. Use this group as your sounding board to figure out if your chosen cause can generate the kind of interest that will be necessary to sustain a nonprofit. One thing I have noticed through the years with businesses of all types is what I call the perception of the universality of one's own demographic. This is where an assumption is made that because you and three of your like-minded friends think something is a good idea, then it's a good idea. Make sure you always have diversity of experience and ideas in your organizing team. And importantly, people who don't always agree with you or will play devil's advocate. This is how you will arrive at better decisions and strategies. This will allow you to prepare for possible drawbacks and address potential problems. Work with your team on these questions. What is your mission? Who will you help? How big is that possible audience or constituency? What are the things that can go wrong? How will you address those challenges? How will you staff? In a nonprofit, you can start with a volunteer workforce, but who will manage them? Where will you do your work? And most importantly, are donors willing to support this work? Can you develop a program that will support itself in some way through fees or selling a product to the public? If there is an organization in your town with a similar mission, talk to them about what they deal with. Figure out how to work together. It's not a competition. In fact, depending on the size and magnitude of the problem, multiple organizations may be necessary, and they may be glad to see you. Nonprofits should work together and share resources when possible. Don't duplicate effort. If something is already available, try to work together on different fronts. Another possibility is that the existing organization might be interested in hiring you, or at very least have you help as a volunteer. This is a great way to get a better sense of what is going on and may give you answers to questions you haven't even thought of. This is a great way to do your research. And again, you are all on the same team in pursuit of solutions, so no need to be territorial or competitive. It's also possible that you could create a program that is fiscally sponsored by that existing nonprofit 501c3. I see a lot of this with organizations I work with. Someone wants to create a specialized program and doesn't yet have the bandwidth or the organization or the proof of concept for a full 501c3 application process, or doesn't quite have the mission and vision worked out, or how this thing will work in practice. Great time to approach an existing organization with a proposal for a fiscal sponsorship. A fiscal sponsorship is when an existing nonprofit allows a project or program to umbrella under its 501c3 and collects donations 
which are tax deductible because they are coming into an established 501c3, and after charging an administrative fee, makes those funds available to the project for spending on their efforts. This is a great way to gauge interest in a particular cause or event or artistic pursuit and create relationships with other nonprofit groups, which will be very valuable as you move forward. The board and management of the existing organization will have to approve your request and will want to see that it aligns with their mission and that they have the bandwidth to handle a fiscal sponsorship. Usually, much of the work falls on the accounting folks to handle the funds for you. So back to the concept of assembling a team. You may be asking, why a team of people? This is my great idea. Why can't I have a nonprofit by myself? Why can't I pay myself whatever I want and be in charge the way I would in a sole proprietorship? I'm the one doing all the work here and giving up my time to work for free. Well, because a nonprofit can't be a sole proprietorship. It can't be about benefiting any one person. So this is IRS language here. To be tax exempt under Section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code, an organization must be organized and operated exclusively for exempt purposes, set forth in Section 501c3, and none of its earnings may inure to any private shareholder or individual, which means cannot benefit any individual. The organization must not be organized or operated for the benefit of private interests. If the organization engages in an excess benefit transaction with a person having substantial influence over the organization, an excise tax may be imposed on the person and any organization managers agreeing to the transaction. So that's kind of serious. You want to really make sure that you are doing this by the books and you are not benefiting any individual or group of individuals with this nonprofit. Also, as an aside, it can't be political. So this is also from the IRS website. In addition, it may not be an action organization, i.e. it may not attempt to influence legislation as a substantial part of its activities, and it may not participate in any campaign activity for or against political candidates. But back to the idea of having a team. Very important because another thing is you want to avoid founder syndrome. Founder syndrome is what happens when one person is the driving force behind an organization, so much so that the organization appears to be built on the whims and needs of one person. If that person is talented and dynamic and fun, that can seem great for a time. But think of the pressure that person is under. They can't ever go away from the organization. Similarly, no one person knows everything. And heaven forbid, what if they ever want to retire or they get sick or they want to move away to another city? This often turns out to be an unsustainable model. It eventually makes the organization stop growing and evolving, and it's not healthy for the founder to monopolize the dialogue. You can absolutely be a founder, do a fabulous job getting it, getting it going, and then get out of the way. So my recommendation as you are setting this up is to build an exit strategy for yourself. Maybe at some point you will move on and just volunteer. Or if there is an advisory committee, be a member of that. And take your knowledge and go help another organization or go solve another societal problem. 
Also, set up a professional board with things like term limits because you don't want your board to have founder syndrome either. You can build a great thriving nonprofit and even get paid to be in a staff role. And perhaps the board will even decide that you're with your passion and your interest and your commitment that you should be the executive director. But that needs to be a committee decision by you and your board. Remember, the board is legally in charge of the organization. You can't really dictate your terms of employment if you're doing it correctly. It should be a collaborative effort. If you do end up as the executive director, make sure you have performance reviews and a performance plan. Make sure the board has people from different walks of life and different age groups. Don't get marquee people who don't show up, like your mayor or well-known people in town who are just too darn busy. If they are retired and actually have the time, that is great. Don't get people who are too busy to come to board meetings and participate in a real way, though. Don't have your board only fundraise. Let people bring in professional value in lieu of money in some cases. You will get a better age mix, which leads to better sustainability. Remember, you want this organization to live on without you. Whatever you do, don't surround yourself with people who agree with you. They can support you, of course, but be sure there is some diversity in philosophies of risk tolerance, of long-term goal setting, and hear all those voices in making your strategic plan. Meet as often as is needed. If you don't need to meet every month, meet every quarter. Break into committees to help work get done. Stay transparent and of the understanding that a nonprofit belongs to no one individual. And when in doubt, ask yourself, is this within mission? When you go to decide, when you do decide to go for it and start your nonprofit officially, the names of your founding board members will be listed on your articles of incorporation and their roles will be stated in your 1023 form when filing for your 501c3 status. You will also need to state your mission and ensure that it is within the IRS guidelines for a 501c3. Again, the IRS website at irs.gov is chock full of information about how to do this. The more carefully you have laid out your mission and your structure and your plan, the quicker the turnaround will be on getting approval. Put the time in and do it right, and then be prepared to go once you are approved. Very importantly, once you are set up and running, Make sure that you are also following through on all annual filings and reports, including your annual 990 tax returns and whatever your state requires. It's a very good idea to hire an accountant with nonprofit experience to help you here. At some point when you get bigger and want to apply for larger grants and funding, you may need to start having internal audits or reviews by a CPA firm because some foundations require audited financials. So you might want to make sure you're getting good guidance about the types of files you need to retain and the types of financial procedures you need to put into place. Finally, I also want to say that though all of this may seem daunting, some of the most joyful workplaces I have ever been in are those of nonprofits, as challenging as the work can be. There is a very real psychological benefit to knowing that you are working to improve the world in whatever way your mission impacts the community. And knowing that you, you are working with a team of people that also want to work together with you on this mission is very satisfying. It's also great role modeling for our kids and younger people to see. 
And frankly, it's something the world needs more of right now, particularly here in the U.S. I truly believe that the nonprofits have the ability to rebuild our social fabric, promote harmony, provide solutions, and make better communities. And if you have the ability and interest in doing this, go for it. We salute you. Thank you so much, Beth, for that amazing insight. We really hope that was helpful for you if you're someone who has considered or is currently considering starting a nonprofit. As a quick reminder, head over to kenzacollective.com to check out all the amazing resources that we have available to help you on your journey. And you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Kenza Collective. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you have a good one.